Hare Krishna. This is a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, with translations and purports by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. First Canto, Chapter 13, Texts 29 through 43. Text 29. Thus, Maharaj Dhritarashtra, the scion of the family of Ajamita, firmly convinced by introspective knowledge, pragya, broke at once the strong network of familial affection by his resolute determination. Thus, he immediately left home to set out on the path of liberation, as directed by his younger brother, Vidura. Purport by Srila Prabhupada Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the great preacher of the principles of Srimad Bhagavatam, has stressed the importance of association with sadhus, pure devotees of the Lord. He said that even by a moment's association with a pure devotee, one can achieve all perfection. We are not ashamed to admit that this fact was experienced in our practical life. Were we not favored by his divine grace, Srimad Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj, by our first meeting for a few minutes only, it would have been impossible for us to accept this mighty task of describing Srimad Bhagavatam in English. Without seeing him at that opportune moment, we would have become a very great business magnate, but never would have been able to walk the path of liberation and be engaged in the factual service of the Lord under instructions of His divine grace. And here is another practical example by the action of Vidura's association with Dhritarashtra. Maharaj Dhritarashtra was tightly bound in a network of material affinities related to politics, economy, and family attachment. And he did everything in his power to achieve so-called success in his planned projects. He was frustrated from the beginning to the end, so far as his material activities were concerned. And yet, despite his life of failure, he achieved the greatest of all success in self-realization by the forceful instructions of a pure devotee of the Lord, who is the typical emblem of a sadhu. The scriptures enjoin, therefore, that one should associate with sadhus only, rejecting all other kinds of association. And by doing so, one will have ample opportunity to hear the sadhus, who can cut to pieces the bonds of illusory affection in the material world. It is a fact that this material world is a great illusion, because everything appears to be a tangible reality, but at the next moment evaporates like the dashing foam of the sea or a cloud in the sky. A cloud in the sky undoubtedly appears to be a reality because it rains, and due to rains, so many temporary green things appear. But in the ultimate issue, everything disappears, namely the cloud, rain, 
and green vegetation, all in due course. But the sky remains, and the varieties of sky or luminaries also remain forever. Similarly, the absolute truth, which is compared to the sky, remains eternally, and the temporary cloud-like illusion comes and goes away. Foolish living beings are attracted by the temporary cloud, but intelligent men are more concerned with the eternal sky with all its variegatedness. Text 30. The gentle and chaste Gandhari, who was the daughter of King Subal of Kandahar, or Gandahar, followed her husband, saying that he was going to the Himalayan mountains, which are the delight of those who have accepted the staff of the renounced order, like fighters who have accepted a good lashing from the enemy. Purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda. Subalini, or Gandhari, daughter of King Subal and wife of King Dhritarashtra, was ideal as a wife devoted to her husband. The Vedic civilization especially prepares chaste and devoted wives, of whom Gandhari is one amongst many mentioned in history. Lakshmiji Sita Devi was also a daughter of a great king, but she followed her husband, Lord Ramachandra, into the forest. Similarly, as a woman, Gandhari could have remained at home or at her father's house. But as a chaste and gentle lady, she followed her husband without consideration. Instructions for the renounced order of life were imparted to Dhritarashtra by Vidura, and Gandhari was by the side of her husband. But he did not ask her to follow him because he was at that time fully determined, like a great warrior who faces all kinds of dangers in the battlefield. He was no longer attracted to the so-called wife or relatives, and he decided to start alone. But as a chaste lady, Gandhari decided to follow her husband till the last moment. Maharaj Dhritarashtra accepted the order of Vanaprast, and at this stage the wife is allowed to remain as a voluntary servitor. But in the sannyas stage, no wife can stay with her former husband. A sannyasi is considered to be a dead man civilly, and therefore the wife becomes a civil widow without connection with her former husband. Maharaj Dhritarashtra did not deny his faithful wife, and she followed her husband at her own risk. The sannyasis accept a rod as the sign of the renounced order of life. There are two types of sannyasis. Those who follow the Mayavadi philosophy, headed by Sripad Sankaracharya, accept only one rod, Eka Danda. But those who follow the Vaishnavite philosophy accept three combined rods, Tri Danda. The Mayavadi sannyasis are Ekadandi swamis whereas the Vaishnava sannyasis are known as Tridandi Swamis, or more distinctly, Tridandi Goswamis, in order to be distinguished from the Mayavadi philosophers. 
The Akadandis sannyasis are mostly fond of the Himalayas, but the Vaishnav sannyasis are fond of Vrindavan and Puri. The Vaishnav sannyasis are Narottams, whereas the Mayavad sannyasis are Dhiras. Maharaj Dhritarashtra was advised to follow the Dhiras because at that stage it was difficult for him to become a Narottam. Text 31. Maharaj Yudhisthir, whose enemy was never born, performed his daily morning duties by praying, offering fire sacrifice to the sun god, and offering obeisances, grains, cows, land, and gold to the Brahmins. He then entered the palace to pay respects to the elderly. However, he could not find his uncle or aunt, the daughter of King Subal, Purport by Srila Prabhupada Maharaj Yudhisthira was the most pious king because he personally practiced daily the pious duties for the householders. The householders are required to rise early in the morning and after bathing they should offer respects to the deity at home by prayers, by offering fuel to the sacred fire, by giving the Brahmins in charity land, cows, grain, gold, etc., and at last, offering to the elderly members due respects and obeisances. One who is not prepared to practice injunctions prescribed in the Shastras cannot be a good man simply by book knowledge. Modern householders are practiced to different modes of life, namely to rise late and then take bed tea without any sort of cleanliness and without any purificatory practices, as mentioned above. The household children are taken to practice what the parents practice, and therefore the whole generation glides towards hell. Nothing good can be expected from them unless they associate with sadhus. Like Dhritarashtra, the materialistic person may take lessons from a sadhu, like Vidura, and thus be cleansed of the effects of modern life. Maharaj Yudhisthira, however, could not find in the palace his two uncles, namely Dhritarashtra and Vidura, along with Gandhari, the daughter of King Subal. He was anxious to see them, and therefore asked Sanjaya, the private secretary of Dhritarashtra. Texts 32 through 34. Maharaj Yudhisthir, full of anxiety, turned to Sanjaya, who was sitting there, and said, O oh, Sanjaya, where is our uncle, who is old and blind? Where is my well-wisher, Uncle Vidura, and Mother Gandhari, who is very afflicted due to all her son's demise? My uncle, Dhritarashtra, was also very mortified due to the death of all his sons and grandsons. Undoubtedly, I am very ungrateful. Did he, therefore, take my offenses very seriously and, along with his wife, drowned himself in the Ganges? 
when my father, Pandu, fell down and we were all small children. These two uncles gave us protection from all kinds of calamities. They were always our good well-wishers. Alas, where have they gone from here? Report by Srila Prabhupada The Pandavas, especially Maharaj Yudhisthira and Arjuna, anticipated the after-effects of the Battle of Kurukshetra, and therefore Arjuna declined to execute the fighting. The fight was executed by the will of the Lord, but the effects of family aggrievement, as they had thought of it before, had come to be true. Maharaj Yudhisthira was always conscious of the great plight of his uncle, Dhritarashtra, and aunt, Gandhari, and therefore he took all possible care of them in their old age and aggrieved conditions. When, therefore, he could not find his uncle and aunt in the palace, naturally his doubts arose, and he conjectured that they had gone down to the water of the Ganges. He thought himself ungrateful, because when the Pandavas were fatherless, Maharaj Dhritarashtra had given them all royal facilities to live, and in return he had killed all Dhritarashtra's sons in the battle of Kurukshetra. As a pious man, Maharaj Yudhisthira took into account all his unavoidable misdeeds, and he never thought of the misdeeds of his uncle and company. Dhritarashtra had suffered the effects of his own misdeeds by the will of the Lord, but Maharaj Yudhisthira was thinking only of his own unavoidable misdeeds. That is the nature of a good man and a devotee of the Lord. A devotee never finds fault with others, but tries to find his own and thus rectify them as far as possible. Text 35 Sutta Goswami said, Because of compassion and mental agitation, Sanjaya, not having seen his own master, Dhritarashtra, was aggrieved and could not properly reply to Maharaj Yudhisthira. Purport by Srila Prabhupada Sanjaya was the personal assistant of Maharaj Dhritarashtra for a very long time, and thus he had the opportunity to study the life of Dhritarashtra. And when he saw at last that Dhritarashtra had left home without his knowledge, his sorrows had no bound. He was fully compassionate toward Dhritarashtra, because in the game of the Battle of Kurukshetra, King Dhritarashtra had lost everything, men and money. And at last, the king and queen had to leave home in utter frustration. He studied the situation in his own way because he did not know that the inner vision of Dhritarashtra had been awakened by Vidura and that therefore he had left home in enthusiastic cheerfulness for a better life after departure from the dark well of home. Unless one is convinced of a better life after renunciation of the present life, one cannot stick to the renounced order of life simply by artificial dress or staying out of the home. Text 
texts 36 and 37. First, he slowly pacified his mind by intelligence. And wiping away his tears, and thinking of the feet of his master, Dhritarashtra, he began to reply to Maharaj Yudhisthira. Sanjaya said, My dear descendant of the Kuru dynasty, I have no information of the determination of your two uncles and Gandhari. O king, I have been cheated by those great souls. Report by Srila Prabhupada That great souls cheat others may be astonishing to know, but it is a fact that the great souls cheat others for a great cause. It is said that Lord Krishna also advised Yudhisthira to tell a lie before Dronacharya, and it was also for a great cause. The Lord wanted it, and therefore it was a great cause. Satisfaction of the Lord is the criteria of one who is bona fide, and the highest perfection of life is to satisfy the Lord by one's occupational duty. That is the verdict of the Gita and Bhagavatam. Dhritarashtra and Vidura, followed by Gandhari, did not disclose their determination to Sanjaya, although he was constantly with Dhritarashtra as his personal assistant. Sanjaya never thought that Dhritarashtra would perform any act without consulting him. But Dhritarashtra's going away from home was so confidential that it could not be disclosed, even to Sanjaya. Sanatana Goswami also cheated the keeper of a prison house while he was going away to see Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And similarly, Raghunath Das Goswami also cheated his priest and left home for good to satisfy the Lord. To satisfy the Lord, anything is good, for it is in relation with the absolute truth. We also had the same opportunity to cheat the family members and leave home to engage in the service of Srimad Bhagavatam. Such cheating was necessary for a great cause, and there is no loss for any party in such transcendental fraud. Text 38 While Sanjaya was thus speaking, Sri Narada, the powerful devotee of the Lord, appeared on the scene, carrying his tumburu. Maharaj Yudhisthira and his brothers received him properly by getting up from their seats and offering obeisances. Purport by Srila Prabhupada Devarshi Narada is described herein as Bhagavan, due to his being the most confidential devotee of the Lord. The Lord and his very confidential devotees are treated on the same level by those who are actually engaged in the loving service of the Lord. Such confidential devotees of the Lord are very much dear to the Lord, because they travel everywhere to preach the glories of the Lord in different capacities and try their utmost to convert the non-devotees of the Lord into devotees in order to bring them to the platform of sanity. 
Actually, a living being cannot be a non-devotee of the Lord because of his constitutional position. But when one becomes a non-devotee or a non-believer, it is to be understood that that person concerned is not in a sound condition of life. The confidential devotees of the Lord treat such illusioned living beings, and therefore they are the most pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord says in the Bhagavad Gita that no one is dearer to him than one who actually preaches the glories of the Lord to convert the non-believers and non-devotees. Such personalities, as Narada, must be offered all due respects, like those offered to the personality of Godhead himself. And Maharaj Yudhisthira, along with his noble brothers, were examples for others in receiving a pure devotee of the Lord like Narada, who had no other business, save and except singing the glories of the Lord along with his vena, a musical stringed instrument. Text 39. Maharaj Yudhisthira said, O godly personality, I do not know where my two uncles have gone, nor can I find my ascetic aunt, who is grief-stricken by the loss of her sons. Purport by Srila Prabhupada Maharaj Yudhisthira, a good soul and devotee of the Lord, was always conscious of the great loss of his aunt and her sufferings as an ascetic. An ascetic is never disturbed by all kinds of suffering, and that makes him strong and determined on the path of spiritual progress. Queen Gandhari is a typical example of an ascetic because of her marvelous character in many trying situations. She was an ideal woman as mother, wife, and ascetic, and in the history of the world, such character in a woman is rarely found. Text 40 You are like the captain of a ship in a great ocean, and you can direct us to our destination. Thus addressed, the godly personality, Devarshi Narada, the greatest of philosopher devotees, began to speak. Purport by Srila Prabhupada There are different types of philosophers, and the greatest of all of them are those who have seen the personality of Godhead and have surrendered themselves in the transcendental loving service of the Lord. Among all such pure devotees of the Lord, Devarshi Narada is the chief, and therefore he has been described herein as the greatest of all philosopher devotees. Unless one has become a sufficiently learned philosopher by hearing the Vedanta philosophy from a bona fide spiritual master, one cannot be a learned philosopher devotee. One must be very faithful, learned, and renounced. Otherwise, one cannot be a pure devotee. A pure devotee of the Lord can give us direction toward the other end of Nescience. Devarshi Narada used to visit the palace of Maharaj Yudhisthira 
because the Pandavas were all pure devotees of the Lord, and the Devarshi was always ready to give them good counsel whenever needed. Text 41. Sri Narada said, O pious king, do not lament for anyone, for everyone is under the control of the Supreme Lord. Therefore, all living beings and their leaders carry on worship to be well protected. It is he only who brings them together and disperses them. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. Every living being, either in this material world or in this spiritual world, is under the control of the Supreme Lord, the Personality of Godhead. Beginning from Brahmaji, the leader of this universe, down to the insignificant ant, all are abiding by the order of the Supreme Lord. Thus, the constitutional position of the living being is subordination under the control of the Lord. The foolish living being, especially man, artificially rebels against the law of the Supreme and thus becomes chastised as an asura, or lawbreaker. A living being is placed into a particular position by the order of the Supreme Lord, and he is again shifted from that place by the order of the Supreme Lord, or his authorized agents. Brahma, Shiva, Indra, Chandra, Maharaj Yudhisthir, or in modern history, Napoleon, Akbar, Alexander, Gandhi, Subhash, and Nehru, were all servants of the Lord, and they are placed in and removed from their respective positions by the supreme will of the Lord. None of them is independent. Even though such men, or leaders, rebel so as not to recognize the supremacy of the Lord, they are all put under still more rigorous laws of material world by different miseries. Only the foolish man, therefore, says that there is no God. Maharaj Yudhisthira was being convinced of this naked truth because he was generally overwhelmed by the sudden departure of his old uncles and aunt. Maharaj Dhritarashtra was placed in that position according to his past deeds. He had already suffered, or enjoyed, the benefits accrued to him in the past. But due to his good luck, somehow or other he had a good younger brother, Vidura, and by his instruction he left to achieve salvation by closing all accounts in this material world. Ordinarily, one cannot change the course of one's due happiness and distress by plan. Everyone has to accept them as they come under the subtle arrangements of Kala, or invincible time. There is no use trying to counteract them. The best thing is, therefore, that one should endeavor to achieve salvation, and this prerogative is given only to man because of his developed condition of mental activities and intelligence. Only for man are there different Vedic instructions for attainment of salvation during the human form of existence, 
One who misuses this opportunity of advanced intelligence is verily condemned and put into different types of miseries, either in this present life or in the future. That is the way the Supreme controls everyone. Text 42. As a cow bound through the nose by a long rope is conditioned, so also human beings are bound by different Vedic injunctions and are conditioned to obey the orders of the Supreme. Report by Srila Prabhupada Every living being, whether a man or an animal, or a bird, thinks that he is free by himself. But actually no one is freed from the severe laws of the Lord. The laws of the Lord are severe because they cannot be disobeyed in any circumstance. The man-made laws may be evaded by cunning outlaws, but in the codes of the supreme lawmaker, there is not the slightest possibility of neglecting the law. A slight change from the course of God-made law can bring about a massive danger to be faced by the lawbreaker. Such laws of the Supreme are generally known as the codes of religion under different conditions. But the principle of religion everywhere is one and the same, namely, to obey the order of the Supreme God, the codes of religion. That is the condition of material existence. All living beings in this material world have taken up the risk of conditioned life by their own selection and are thus entrapped by the laws of material nature. The only way to get out of this entanglement is to agree to obey the Supreme. But instead of becoming freed from the clutches of maya or illusion, foolish human beings become bound up by different nomenclatures being designated as Brahmins, Kshatriyas, Vaishas, Sudras, Hindus, Mohammedans, Indians, Europeans, Americans, Chinese, and many others. And thus they carry out the orders of the Supreme Lord under the influence of respective scriptural or legislative injunctions. The statutory laws of the state are imperfect imitation replicas of religious codes. The secular state, or the godless state, allows the citizens to break the laws of God, but restricts them from disobeying the laws of the state. The result is that people in general suffer more by breaking the laws of God than by obeying the imperfect laws made by man. Every man is imperfect by constitution under the conditions of material existence, and there is not the least possibility that even the most materially advanced man can enact perfect legislation. On the other hand, there is no such imperfection in the laws of God. If leaders are educated in the laws of God, there is no necessity of a makeshift legislative control of aimless men. There is necessity of change in the makeshift laws of man, but there is no change and the God-made laws, because they are made perfect by the all-perfect personality of Godhead. 
the codes of religion, scriptural injunctions, are made by liberated representatives of God in consideration of the different conditions of living, and by carrying out the orders of the Lord, the conditioned living beings gradually become freed from the clutches of material existence. The factual position of the living being is, however, that he is the eternal servitor of the Supreme Lord. In his liberated state, he renders service to the Lord in transcendental love and thus enjoys a life full of freedom, even sometimes on an equal level with the Lord, or sometimes more than the Lord. But in the conditioned, material world, every living being wants to be the Lord of other living beings, and thus by the illusion of Maya, this mentality of lording it over becomes a cause of further extension of conditional life. So in the material world, the living being is still more conditioned until he surrenders unto the Lord by reviving his original state of eternal servitorship. That is the last instruction of the Bhagavad Gita and all other recognized scriptures of the world. Text 43. As a player sets up and disperses his playthings according to his own sweet will, so the supreme will of the Lord brings men together and separates them. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. We must know for certain that the particular position in which we are now set up is an arrangement of the Supreme Will in terms of our own acts in the past. The Supreme Lord is present as the localized Paramatma in the heart of every living being, as it is said in the Bhagavad Gita, 13.23. And therefore he knows everything of our activities and every stage of our lives. He rewards the reactions of our actions by placing us in some particular place. A rich man gets his son born with a silver spoon in his mouth, but the child who came as the rich man's son deserved such a place, and therefore he is placed there by the will of the Lord. And at a particular moment, when the child has to be removed from that place, he is also carried by the will of the Supreme, even if the child or the father does not wish to be separated from the happy relation. The same thing happens in case of a poor man also. Neither rich man nor poor man has any control over such meetings and separations of living beings. The example of a player and his playthings should not be misunderstood. One may argue that since the Lord is bound to award the reactionary results of our own actions, the example of a player cannot be applied. But it is not so. We must always remember that the Lord is the supreme will, and he is not bound by any law. Generally, the law of karma is that one is awarded the result of one's own action. But in special cases, by the will of the Lord, such resultant actions are changed also. But this change can be affected by the will of the Lord only, and no other. Therefore, the example of the player cited in this verse 
is quite appropriate, for the supreme will is absolutely free to do whatever he likes. And because he is all perfect, there is no mistake in any of his actions or reactions. These changes of resultant actions are especially rendered by the Lord when a pure devotee is involved. It is assured in the Bhagavad Gita 9.30-31 that the Lord saves a pure devotee who has surrendered unto him without reservation from all sorts of reactions of sins. And there is no doubt about this. There are hundreds of examples of reactions changed by the Lord in the history of the world. If the Lord is able to change the reactions of one's past deeds, then certainly he is not himself bound by any action or reaction of his own deeds. He is perfect and transcendental to all laws. <laughs>